Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe brings you twisted, true crime tales of dark deeds and the supernatural. That's been our little catchphrase since the beginning of the podcast, and it never occurred to me to say it on the podcast. <laughs> but I'm making an effort. I'm making an go. effort. Hey. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for other great podcasts. I know I do. I binge a lot of podcasts. Just being real. And I love Podmoth and all of our friend podcasts. That's right. They have some great content. Go check it out. Just a quick note. You can also support Bad Axe by joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Pod. There is a link to it in our show notes. We already have several bonus episodes available there. And memberships start as low as $1, which is super exciting. But we have a whole serial killer that you probably haven't heard of yet. We have a really terrible case about a little girl who gets viciously murdered on her actual birthday. And it's not clear exactly what even happened to her, but there are people who are arrested. And we have a story about a doctor from the Houston area who was very cruelly murdered. And her story has been almost sort of forgotten at this point, even though it was a very tragic incident and she just was a gift to the world. Uh, we have a lot of cases over there. Yeah, there's a lot of great content. Yeah, we have a new one coming out very, very soon about a nanny that was murdered. She was kind of a nanny and a girlfriend, but she was murdered. Actually, I think I just posted that case. So you might be able to access that right now if you go over there. A brand new content. I know. Super exciting cases over there. So you could definitely check it out. Now, for our story today. Today, we are going to Boulder, Colorado. And we will soon be going to Colorado ourselves. Yes, we are literally going to go to Colorado very soon. We're not going to tell you exactly when. It's a secret. We're not going for murder. Yeah, for non-murder related reasons. Although, if we see some cool true crime stuff, we might report live or something (laughs) on the Instagram that would be really cool. I mean, also not cool. Yeah. Unless unless it, like, was a far away thing. Like, maybe we come across some trivia or something. There you go. Or, like, a museum of true crime. That could happen. Not, like, an actual body. Because we're going to go hiking in the woods. And I know that's a whole thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, we'll know right away it's not a mannequin, though. We're not going to be out there in the forest seeing the bodies being like, Oh, is that just someone throwing a mannequin out here? No. Bad X goes on Facebook Live. We're like... Hello, yes. this is Bad Axe coming to you live. I know this is the wrong thing to do, but we called the police, and until they get here, we are filming this. Maybe <laughs> we throw up instead. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully no crimes. It would be great, ideal. But you never great, know. Yes. Obviously, we're not rooting for the crimes to happen. They are terrible, and they should never happen. But I'm just saying, if yeah. we did see something and we wanted to share with you, we would definitely do it. That's true. All right, so we're in Boulder. Or at least we're starting out in Boulder because this case actually takes place in a couple of different locations. We have a bit of a murder road trip happening today. So be prepared for a murder tour. 
I'm buckled in. I don't understand why this becomes a murder road trip. And I feel like all of you will understand what I mean in a moment. But for some reason, this particular guy goes on a murder road trip. So Boulder, Colorado is a scenic city near the Rocky Mountains with over 100,000 residents. It has a thriving cultural scene and is a great place to go on outdoor adventures. According to the internet, Boulder is the happiest place on earth. Wow. I mean, not the whole earth, but like in the general contiguous United States area. Damn, that's a that's a tall statement. Yeah, man. I don't know. I I don't know for sure, but that's according to the internet. Wow, Boulder, super Colorado. happy, super right. happy there. Maybe because they have legal pot. Could be. And they're just like in the mountains. It's very scenic. Yeah, beautiful mountains. Yeah, they have art to look at. They can get high. Yeah, it sounds nice. That I'm does, not gonna lie, it sounds pretty nice. Everyone sounds very nice. In Boulder, in February 2017. 25-year-old Ashley Mead was thriving in her best life. She was a warm person with a bright personality, and people close to her say her smile was contagious. She was a nature lover who loved outdoor activities, and as a free spirit, she sought out adventure, which included lots of travel. By the age of 25, she'd already visited 42 states out of 50, as well as Canada and Mexico. In addition to her extensive travels, Ashley pursued a liberal arts degree in First in New York City, but then she also transferred to Centenary College, which is a private college in Louisiana. I looked that up. And she later went to LSU, or Louisiana State University, to continue her studies. But Ashley was not finished. She also planned to go to grad school at Colorado State University in Boulder, Colorado. And she was a writer, and she'd already published two books of poetry by the time she was 25, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yes, she was definitely following her heart, and that led her to a very special love, her daughter. When Ashley became a mother to her daughter, Winter Daisy, she blossomed into an even better version of herself. She loved being a mother and treasured Winter. In fact, she loved kids so much that she had taken a job at a Head Start preschool. Ashley and her one-year-old baby girl had recently moved to Boulder with her ex-boyfriend and the baby's father, 33-year-old Adam Dinsmore. Now, it's not clear if they were dating when they moved to Colorado or if they broke up before the move. It's not clear which. They did have an on-again, off-again relationship, but they were trying to co-parent their child even whenever they weren't together. Now, although the pair were broken up, they were actually living together still and co-parenting Winter. And I guess being in the same household maybe helped them facilitate that. It's also possible that it was just hard to get two separate apartments. I have to think that they broke up after they moved to Colorado just because otherwise it doesn't completely make sense to move there together. But who knows? Yeah. Now, even though, as I said, they had a a long-term on-again, off-again relationship, it seems that this time they had finally called it off for good. Or at least, that's what Ashley thought. However, Dinsmore seems to have had a growing resentment toward Ashley. And in his journal, he actually wrote a lot of bad things about her. He wrote things like, quote, I'm so tired of being tired of her. I'm so tired of her not seeming to give a good goddamn about me and my wants and my needs, unquote. He seems a little selfish there. Yeah, and they have a child, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, you'd think they would think more about the kids' needs. Well, she she does, but this guy is having some problems. He also blamed her for his drinking, Hmm. which I don't see how that correlates. Unless she's, like, forcing the alcohol down his throat, Mm -hmm. then he's making those choices on his own. Yeah, I don't understand when people blame each other for bad habits. 
It does not make sense. Nope. And he seems to have tied everything bad that ever happened to him back to Ashley. But one thing that stood out to me is that he is 33 and she is 25. And you would think that a 33-year-old would be a lot more mature than a 25-year-old. But she seems to be the adult in the relationship. Whereas he's kind of a brooding teenager. And a lot of the stuff that he writes about and that he talks about when people are talking to him during uh, the incidences that are about to occur... You can definitely feel the brooding teen vibe. Yeah, for sure. Which is weird. Yeah. On top of all of this, because of the breakup, he started worrying about Ashley moving on with her life. And that actually started to happen in early 2017. Because in January, Ashley began dating a guy named Harvey. Things had gotten pretty hot and heavy between them fairly quickly. The pair began sexting, and some of their communication revolved around a shared interest in BDSM. They even sent each other sexy photos to create a little anticipation before their dates. And later, people discover on her phone that there were a lot of, like, nude and very explicit photos on her phone. But it's unclear if she was in any of the photos or if these were just ideas of what this Harvey person wanted to do with her. Mm -hmm. But regardless, we do know that there are some sexy photos coming. So, with Ashley dating someone new, Dinsmore became super duper jealous. With her dating Harvey, Dinsmore became super jealous, but he also worried that she might want to move away sometime. And I think that part of that worry was tied into the fact that she loved traveling. And also, Ashley was from Pennsylvania and had moved to several different states. So, it wasn't unlike her to want to move. At the same time, I do think it's a little premature to be worried about her leaving when she moved to Boulder because she wants to get this degree. And also, I mean, she's building a life. She has a job. She has a home. It's not like she's just kind of staying on people's couches or anything and can easily pick up and move. Right, yeah. Now, his main concern, according to him, is that he was worried that she would take winter away. So he's thinking maybe she'll fall in love with this guy. And even though he also lives in Boulder, maybe the two of them will want to move out of state and they'll take my child. That's what he's saying. That is his worry. Okay. Now, it makes total sense that a parent would want to be close to their child, obviously, because that's why you're a parent. You love your child, in theory. However, there's absolutely no proof that Ashley was trying to take Winter away. And that's kind of why courts exist. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to go to court and get a custody arrangement. And I know a lot of people who have, well, I should say a lot. I know some people who have been prevented from leaving areas because they do have a child with someone. And you can't just take someone's kid away. Like, that's how it works. Like, both parents need to be involved in that. Yeah. And you might be wondering, why doesn't Dinsmore just take her to court, get joint custody, and just settle it once and for all, right? There you go. Well, part of the problem is that he made a very cruel choice when she had the baby in the first place. Because when Ashley gave birth the winter, Dinsmore refused to sign the birth certificate. Really? Yeah. So at first, he just wouldn't sign it. So he did not go down as the baby's father. Okay. There's no father listed on the birth certificate. That's not cool. And friends say that he actually often referred to Winter as Ashley's daughter. And that's why Winter has her mom's last name. Her, like, her name is Winter Daisy Mead instead of Winter Daisy Dinsmore. Yeah. So is this like a Maury situation where he's trying to claim he's not the father? Apparently, which is weird because they were constantly 
like they were basically together at this time. Like there was never a time when they weren't together or something. They might have been breaking up and getting back together, but they had that type of relationship this entire time when Winter was born. Yeah. And he clearly was raising her. So it's just strange that he would be active in her life. It's strange that he would be active in her life, but then continue to say these mean things. Yeah, totally. It just seems kind of abusive, like a emotional abuse. Yeah. And in a way, kind of financial abuse, because he's not legally required to give her any money. So she kind of has to, like, I guess be nice to him in order for him to contribute as a father. That's some bullshit. Because he can walk away at any moment. Yeah, but that's 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 which bullshit is ridiculous. On his part. It's yeah, total sure. bullshit. I mean, yeah. I guess she could theoretically sue because I mean they could do a DNA test. It's not that hard. But regardless, at she this point, she shouldn't have to go through that though. No, she shouldn't. And I think that's part of the issue though is that at this point he really can't. Like, there's a lot more hurdles for him to get through. I mean, to be fair, he could write this. Like, it's not like it's unwritable. I mean, you can go. I mean, that happens all the time when guys are like, "Hey, that's my kid" or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so he could definitely have taken her to court and been like, I want to get a paternity test and I want to be the father to my child. Yeah. But instead, he just gets all possessive and crazy. So, success. Yay. Yeah, he's not succeeding, though. No. But despite all this, the fact that Ashley wasn't really actively planning to leave or there's no signs of it. And, I mean, she literally just met this other dude. Dinsmore fixated on this fear to the point that he actually allegedly got fired from his job because he says he was skipping out on work so that he could make sure that Ashley did not leave with Winter. Okay, that's obsessive. Yeah, it is obsessive. And also, how are you going to pay for your apartment if you're not going to work? I don't understand that. That's weird. That's very weird. So he's like skipping work, trying to spy on Ashley. She's going to work. She works at a daycare. I think she took the baby with her. So, I don't really know what he's doing at home. I guess just chilling. Maybe he was playing games or something and he just didn't want to go to work that day. I don't know, man. That's that's weird. Now, and th- at this point in time, he's also writing in his journal. The journal's going to be important for later. And he's writing things about how much he wants to hurt Ashley. And he even started imagining what it would be like if she were dead. But, Ashley was not the only person he wanted to hurt. He also fantasized about beating someone to release his frustrations. And he said in his journal that he wanted to make someone else feel helpless. He actually wrote, quote, I long to hit someone hard. And again, I want someone to feel the frustrating helplessness of a beating, unquote. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories. A paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. That is not cool. Like, that's unhinged. Yeah, this is a reason to spy on people's journals. I'm picking, don't do that. But, I mean, maybe do. I Maybe if she had read this, she would have known to leave. It's ridiculous. I don't know, man. That's that, that's just messed up. Like, I also feel like you have to really be feeling overwhelming feelings of wanting to hurt someone in order to actually write it down. Yeah. Because even in my journal, like, being serious, I still am a little bit, like, curating things I'm documenting 
Because I'm not just going to be like leaving something for someone to find that might make me look bad. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> like if I'm going through something, being serious, like I have a mental illness. So like sometimes I might have slightly darker thoughts, not about murder, but about like harming myself, which is weird. I guess I should trigger wording. But and like I'm not going to just directly write it all out because then if someone reads it, they're going to tell people and then I'm going to have to deal with all that bullshit and I don't have time for that. Yeah. So it's insane to me that he would write all that yeah and he must have really been in some dark places yeah for real he even wrote about wanting to hurt his mother while he was growing up and apparently those thoughts started when he was just five years old man this guy has some problems mm-hmm. he's got he some anger issues clearly has a violent rage simmering beneath the surface and he's just there in the house with his ex-girlfriend and their baby which is not great that is true it's almost like you can just see it looming like a dark shadow in the house. Yeah. On Sunday, February 12th, 2017, Ashley had a very busy day planned. She went to Target and she tried on clothes. She took Winter Daisy to the grocery store to pick up some food. And she took care of some household errands. The day seemed like a perfect way to cap off a weekend. But things were about to take a dark turn. Surprise. Surprise. I know that all of you are very surprised by this, as we are a true crime podcast. And I basically, um, I think I feel like I've been telegraphing this case a little bit. But to be fair, um, it telegraphs itself. This is not my fault. Yeah, for real. As she prepared dinner at around 8.40 p.m. that night, Ashley had a fateful conversation with Dinsmore in the home they shared in Boulder. She spoke with him about her new relationship and talked about plans to move on from their tumultuous relationship. Not like move on into another state, but just I'm going to start dating Harvey kind of thing. Right, yeah. Keep in mind, they are not dating at this point and were never married. So there's no reason for him to have any expectation that she's being like faithful or something. They're literally broken up. Yeah. They're basically roommates who happen to be co-parenting a child. Unfortunately, Densmore did not take this news well. I know you're all very shocked by that as well. I know, right? He did not take it well. In fact, he completely lost his shit. The two started arguing and soon things began and soon things became physical. Densmore admitted later to slapping Ashley. That's not he good. He just slapped her. That's all he did according to him. Which I think is bullshit. But that's not exactly what happened. It's not really clear what happened in that fight for reasons that will become obvious later on. But it did end with Dinsmore taking Ashley's life. According to a neighbor, a loud scream came from Ashley's apartment just after 9 p.m. that night. And she said it sounded like someone falling down the stairs. However, she didn't hear much after that. Now, the police think that what happened, based on what evidence they do end up finding, is that he beat her to death. And then the sound of someone falling down the stairs was him dragging her body down the stairs. Oh, wow. Yes, but it's unclear. He theoretically could have just pushed her down the stairs. We don't really know. Yeah. And you'll see why in a moment. So tuck in because the really like crazy part of this case is about to start happening right now. Let's go. After the murder, Dinsmore had to get rid of the body. So he put Ashley's body onto the backseat floorboard of her own car and then packed up Little Winter and loaded Winter into the car in the seat above her mother. That's fucked up. It is crazy. Who does that? 
I don't know, Who man. Freaking, and you would That's might think sick. to yourself, I would have thought, wouldn't you put it in, like, you should not be transporting bodies. But if you were going to put a body in your car, wouldn't you put it in the trunk of the car? That's what, is I, what I would think. Yeah. But I don't know if maybe she wouldn't fit there. I don't know what's going on. But based on the evidence, they have evidence of her body being in the floorboard, not in the trunk. So, like, based on, like, blood found in the car and, like, the cadaver dogs and various other things. Like, they're fairly certain that she was in the floorboard of the car. That's fucked up. I just can't believe that he put that child over her dead mother. That's just insane. Who? What is wrong with you? Like, there's something special wrong with you for that. Oh, yeah. Then, after he packed up the car, he drove Ashley's body to his family home in Houghton, Louisiana. He arrived there on February 13th in what family members described as a surprise visit. Now, note, February 13th is the day before Valentine's Day. That's correct. Which is really messed up. That is. Especially considering what he's about to do. Okay. Since he was not expected, family members had other plans to attend to during parts of their day, which gave Dinsmore several hours alone in the home. He seized this opportunity to dismember Ashley in his parents' shed. Oh. That's what his plan was. So he goes back to the shed. He takes Ashley. He gets a reciprocating soul. And then essentially he chops her up. And then he puts her in some luggage that he got from the shed. That is fucked up. Why? So bad. That's why they don't know exactly what happened to her. Because Because the evidence is all fucked up. Yeah, because he cut her up. And there's also this whole road trip situation. Now, also, I would like to remind everyone that Colorado to Louisiana is not a short drive. No. It's yeah. a very long drive. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, we're in Texas, which is next to Louisiana, closer to Colorado, and we are flying to Colorado because it's so far away. Yeah, I mean, you'd be driving for at least a day. Yeah, so this is the choice that he made. So he drove all the way there just to, to do this. Now, I personally was not exactly sure what a reciprocating saw was, and we always hear about different saws being used in these true crime cases because people are monsters and they use saws for things that they're not intended for. Uh, So I looked it up, and a reciprocating saw kind of looks like a handheld vacuum cleaner, but with a small blade sticking out of the front. It also kind of looks like a swordfish. Yeah, and and the blade just goes back and forth like this. Yeah, Yeah, like it's weird because if you look at it in some pictures, you're like, oh, that looks very useful as a tool. But then in other pictures, you're like, oh, God, that's so scary. Why is it trying to cut my face off? (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. It also kind of like, it looks nothing like a chainsaw, but still reminded me of a chainsaw. A, a smaller, I don't know how, it, it feels scarier than a chainsaw, but it's probably not scarier than a chainsaw. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where when used for its intended purpose, it's, like, it's very yeah, useful. this is great. But when it's used for murder, what are you it's doing? terrifying. Why are you doing this? Yes. Exactly. Also, I have sometimes had nightmares about somebody coming after me with a circle saw. Oh my gosh, yes, a circle saw. That's what I thought a reciprocating saw was. I'm just going to be real. I thought, I was like, oh my god, that seems like a very impractical way to cut up a body. Anyway, maybe we should stop making all these saws. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. All the, like, we get angry tweets from, from carpenters who are like, like hey we man, need these saws. I'm trying to make a living here. I'm trying to make stuff. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I just imagine walking into someone's shed or someone's garage and they have saws out. And I'm just like, I'm going to leave. We can't be friends anymore. There's too many saws in here. What are you doing with all these saws? Yeah. Anyway, so he was doing gross, nasty stuff with the saw. And in case you're wondering, how did they figure out it was that saw? Guess. 
There's DNA all over it. Yes, there yep. was stuff in it. There was mm-hmm. nasty stuff in it. That's also part of it I've learned from true crime cases is reciprocating saws are often used to dismember bodies, probably because of the convenience, but they also are really hard to clean because almost all these cases, the reciprocating saw was all kinds of full of body. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, so you should just not commit that murder that you were going to commit. You shouldn't, yeah, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it'd be really hard to get DNA off of that. I mean, it's like, yeah. Yeah, like it gets all in the blade and stuff. In the teeth of the blade, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But he did not just dismember her. In case you're wondering if that's the only horrible thing that he did, no. He also disemboweled her and removed her organs. Why? I don't know. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm (laughs) I'm not a monster. I have no idea. I just, I think, I do know that it did help. This is one of the things that made it hard for them to figure out how she died. The ME actually ended up declaring her death as unknown because they really couldn't make a determination on it. And so maybe he's just an evil genius and was like, they'll never be able to figure out what happened to her. But I feel like you, again, remember we talked about this with the axe murders. Like, people who do this kind of stuff do not need to be out there. And I'm sorry, I don't agree with, with like, long sentences for most crimes. And I definitely don't think that people who do drugs should be in jail for, for like, sometimes, actually at all, really. I mean, if you're going to go anywhere, maybe a treatment program. But... This is messed up. Like, who can do... Like, how do you even do that? I agree. Like, that's the part. I really get tripped up on the dismembering people. Because how? That's yucky. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm not wrong about this. No, you're not. I mean, there's there's something wrong with you if you're, like, dismembering bodies and shit. And he loved her. She gave birth to his child. Yep. Just ridiculous. Anyway, so this is what he's doing and just being disgusting. At one point, though, shortly after he finished this deed, Dinsmore's sister actually arrived at the house unexpectedly. And she told police later that he seemed surprised and nervous about her being there. For reasons that we all know were obvious, but she did not know that this had happened. Yeah. I really felt so scared for the sister when I found out she had shown up. I was like, oh no, hun, don't don't go in there. Like, full Mm. horror movie scares. Because legitimately... There's a horror movie happening, and she does not know that. Thank goodness. But if she, what if she had caught him? Like, what if she got there just a little bit earlier? Yeah, he might have killed oh her. Oh my too. goodness, that would be terrible. She did say that she noticed that he had been cleaning something up, and she smelled a strong odor of bleach. So she asked him about it, which also makes me go, "No, mm-hmm. don't ask the criminal questions." He told her that he had been sick, like he had thrown up, and then he had cleaned up some vomit. Who cleans that up with bleach, though? Apparently this guy. Anyway, fortunately for all of us who are hearing this, his sister did believe his story. And then later on, after she learned some more information about Ashley disappearing, that's when she saw all the red flags pop, 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 pop. And she talked to the police about it. His family was, like, all on board with talking to the police, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, good for them. I also am a snitch, so so <laughs> I would be, like, all kinds of snitching for reals. Like, you're going to jail. And so, <laughs> so I totally get this. Now, when he was finished with this gruesome nastiness, he placed the cut-up pieces in one or more purple suitcases. Police aren't exactly sure how many of the suitcases he used, but they suggested that he might have used several from a set, especially because, I mean, it would be hard to get a body in one suitcase. Then, he made a feeble attempt to clean up the saw and just left it in the house, or in the shed specifically. Which, to me, was also crazy. I feel like at that point, if you're going to take the body, you might as well just take the soul. I mean, your family might notice it's missing, 
But I feel like that's a better idea than just not taking it. Agreed. Or maybe just go buy a new saw and put it in there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to help him. Like, screw this guy. He should be in jail forever. But, like, I- I'm just throwing that out there. If you're going to go through all the effort to drive across state lines to get to a place, wouldn't it make sense? I'm just saying, like, he could have stopped on the way there. Although, I guess he had a body in his car. Maybe he couldn't stop on the way there. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Yeah. He loaded these suitcases into his vehicle and set out on a haunting road trip. It's haunting because there's literally a dead body in the car. Yeah, for real. Man, I hope they didn't sell that car to somebody else. I'm sorry. I was just a little tangent, but at like a police auction. I'm never buying a car at police auction. Because it might what be a What if it has car? a body in it? Yes. Yeah. Maybe that goes to her next of kin. I would not want that, though. Nope. Like, take that away. Do not need that. Yeah. Densmore then drove toward Oklahoma. He discarded the suitcases full of parts in various locations. He may have actually taken some of the body parts out of the suitcase. Part of the reason why they're not sure how many suitcases that he used is because they found um, one suitcase. And we'll get to that in a minute. But they know that he discarded the body parts in different places. He did this because he hoped that Ashley's body would not be discovered or that if parts of it were discovered, it would be really hard to identify who the victim was because they only have, like, random parts. Yeah. Which is also just horrific and just what a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. After dropping off the final suitcase, Dinsmore drove on to Conway, Arkansas to spend the night with his grandmother, Peggy. Jesus. Yeah, so he went to his grandmother's house with Winter. He still has Winter with him, too. Now, people, who does this? Like, you're committed to murder, now you're going to go stay with your grandmother. That's crazy. It's, yes, a special kind of what the fuck. Yeah. Now, two days after the murder, Ashley's family and friends became convinced that something was wrong because no one had seen her in two days or heard from her, which was not like her. And not only that, no one had seen little Winter either. When Ashley was a no-call, no-show to her job at the Head Start Preschool on the morning of Tuesday, February 14th, which also happens to be Valentine's Day, a co-worker called the police to report her missing. And I just want to say, this sounds like the best co-worker ever. For realsies. Like, she could have just been mad at Ashley and been like, oh, Ashley didn't come to work today. How dare she? Now it's understaffed. But instead, she knew her friend and was just concerned. And immediately called the police and said, hey, my friends didn't come to work. She's an amazing person who's always reliable. Something is wrong. Please go check on her. Yeah, that is good. That's really good. Yes. Officers first went to Ashley's apartment to do a wellness check. Because at this point, they're not like, oh, no, let's go scour the country for her. Because they don't know what's going on. They just go to her apartment to see what's up. And they noticed when they got there that her white 2000... They noticed when they got there that her white 2001 Volvo was missing from her parking place. So this is might be a good sign. Maybe she's out somewhere, but we don't know. So they went to see if the apartment had any signs of where she might be, which I thought was good because they could have just been like, oh, she's not here. She's at the grocery store, whatever. Yeah. But they actually went to the apartment and they looked. Suspiciously, though, when they got there, the front door was unlocked and the lights were on. Yep, that's suspicious. Dun, dun, dun. Because nobody's going to do that. Be serious. That's right. At the same time, they said they didn't notice any obvious signs of a struggle. Now, there is a show that, that talks about this crime. And you can see photos of the apartment on there. And it does look kind of messy to me. But I feel like it maybe is hard for them to decide if messy equals struggle. Yeah, for sure. 
However, they did go ahead and search the apartment because, remember, they still are missing a mom and daughter because they're also looking for Winter at this point. Well, sure. She's, she's gone. Right? Yes. I mean. Exactly. She's totally gone. And after they start searching, alarming clues start to emerge. Uh, for one, Ashley's cat is still there. And it's a load. And it hasn't been fed or anything. Yep. And... Later, we're going to find out that Ashley loved her cat, and she actually always took her cat on trips, which is one of the reasons why her family knew something was wrong, that she didn't just go on a trip, because she would have taken her cat with her. That's right. Which I thought was sweet. I did not even think about traveling with my cats, and I almost wanted to do that for this trip. We always get them a cat sitter yeah. so that we have someone around, but at the same time, it is... I miss them, and I don't want them to be sad. I got you. But I don't want to put them on a plane. No. I remember no, that no. we were going on a plane, and I don't want my cat to do that. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Anyway, because we have four cats, so it's not like they're going to carry on four emotional support cats. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but... Yeah. Plus, uh, our cats, I only have one cat that would let me carry it, so... <laughs> the other three cats are just like, excuse me, <laughs> why are you trying to carry me? So they have this cat there that's been left alone, but they also found a partially cooked meal in the kitchen. Yep, that's a red flag. Yeah, too. that's the biggest one. And apparently the oven was actually open and the food was inside. But fortunately, someone had turned the oven off so that it wasn't like a death machine. Yeah. That was just flooding the home and the apartments with dangerous carbon monoxide, probably. Yeah. Unless it was like electric. I don't know how that works. But I don't either. I don't think it has carbon monoxide, but that still sounds dangerous. It does, yep. But regardless, nobody just leaves dinner in the oven like something fucking happened. Oh, yeah. More alarmingly, though, even more, is that Ashley's cell phone was still in the home, along with some important belongings, like her ID. Yep. Obviously, no one's going to leave their home without their phone and their ID. That's right. Worse, someone had also stepped on Ashley's phone with the sole of a boot, leaving a treadmark on the screen. Oh, boy. Yeah, so at this point, police are worried that something bad has happened to Ashley, but before setting off alarms, they contacted Ashley's mom back in her home state of Pennsylvania. They hoped that she might have heard from Ashley or might be able to confirm that Ashley was the type of person to just take a random trip. One thing stood out to her mom, though, which was that cat. And since she knew that Ashley would take the cat when she was traveling, she told them that something was wrong. At the same time, she gave police a big tip. She told them that Ashley did not live alone. She lived with her ex, Adam Densmore. So police are like, oh, good. A potential suspect slash maybe someone who knows where they are. Yep. So they immediately begin calling Densmore, but his phone was not on at the time. Now, it's obvious that no matter what, they would look at him right away because he could have winter just like, you know, because. Because he's her dad. Yeah, totally. So maybe like he's got her at Target or something and then something happened with Ashley. We don't know. Yep. So either way, they need to get in touch with him. And yet he's not talking to them, which is disgusting. Yep. So the detective tried calling Densmore again, and of course he wouldn't answer. So then they started calling his father in Louisiana. Now, family members start talking to police immediately because obviously they care about Ashley and they're good people. So the father first tells them where they can find Densmore, that he's supposed to be, I think with, I think he tells them that he's at the grandmother's house. But he definitely relays the message to the grandmother, for sure, that Dinsmore needs to call the police. But the father and the other people in his family start talking to the police about this random visit that happened and how it was definitely suspicious. And then once they learned that Ashley was missing, they started giving, you know, more details about his actions in that area because they were trying to help with the investigation. Yeah. 
On a dark night, you make a wrong turn on the highway and find yourself alone on a country road. You are unnerved, but the road is too narrow to turn around. As your tires crunch over the gravel, you turn the radio up to calm your nerves, and all you find is static. As you reach the end of the dial, you stumble upon a show you, nor almost anyone, has ever heard. Congratulations, you've stumbled upon the Lost Signal, a midnight sanctuary of terrifying audio plays to chill and fulfill. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, around this same time, police were finally able to get some pings off of Densmore's phone because it wasn't off the entire time. So they were able to track him as he moved from different place to place. And they were able to to see from the pings that at the time he was, in fact, with that grandmother in Arkansas, like the dad had told them. So they started releasing his information to other police departments in that area that they were looking for this guy. And just based on where he was peeing at different at different times. Yeah. Now, at the same time as all of this pinging is happening and they're trying to get a hold of Adam, they also start looking at Ashley's phone. Because even though someone had stomped on the phone, they were able to retrieve the data. Now, from this data, they were able to see a couple of important things that were kind of weird. First, they saw that Adam had actually been calling Ashley's phone and had been providing sort of like updates about what his trip was. Like, where he was going. And also that he left her messages about a new boyfriend. Where he was sort of like, oh, you're probably off with him now, aren't you? Like, trying to insinuate that she had gone off gone. with this boyfriend. Yeah. And that then he had gone off on the road trip. And that he had no idea where she could be. Right, yeah. So he's kind of laying the groundwork for a possible, I guess, alibi situation. Right. So, and whenever police realized that he was accusing her of running off with another man... Police went and looked for that other man, and they found Harvey in Ashley's phone. So they start thinking, maybe this Harvey guy knows something. So police confirm through their text message account that she probably was dating Harvey because of the pictures, and they also think she had an upcoming date with him. And they they said that they thought that she bought some clothes on the day of her murder, and they think that those clothes were supposed to be for her date with Harvey. Yeah. Now, because of the BDSM talk and some of the photos he'd sent to Ashley, police start feeling like Harvey might be a violent, dangerous predator, which is kind of terrible because obviously BDSM is consensual and not dangerous, depending on who you're doing it with. I mean, obviously there are safe words, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Totally safe and totally fun for people who like it. But the police apparently are not some of those people. So they were just like, oh no, red flags everywhere. And apparently, based on the description, some of the photos may have depicted some kind of violent scenes, and so they thought maybe he had, like, accidentally hurt her during sex or something. So police locate this Harvey guy, and they interviewed him, and they searched his home, but nothing pointed to him as a suspect. Not only that, he had a great alibi. And this ends up being the ultimate alibi, so prepare yourselves. Is he in jail? No. No, no, no. He's a good dude. Uh, He said ultimate alibi. Oh, you'll see why. So he was with friends that night, and... 
Obviously, his friends could vouch for him, but one of his friends actually had her purse stolen on the night of the murder. So he's in the police station. He was. They had oh, to go nice. file a report, and like all of them went with together to file a report because they were all like witnesses and stuff. And so there's a timestamp and an officer who took the report who can verify that not only was he with his friends, but he and his friends were also filing this police report around the time of the murder. Nice. Good in for a whole him. other area, yeah. Yeah, that that's a really good alibi. Yeah, so he's like a totally a good dude. Meanwhile, family members of Dinsmore start calling the grandmother Peggy to tell her that the detectives are looking for Adam because Ashley is missing. So the grandmother, who might have just been assuming the best of him, as grandmothers often do, starts urging Dinsmore to call the police. And at first, he tries to tell her that his phone was dead, but Grandma Peggy is not about to take no for answer. So she says, oh, dear, you can use my phone. (laughs) And, you know, what's he going to do, right? But instead of calling the police initially, he calls his dad. I feel like he was trying to get away with not calling the cops. That's my opinion. But I just feel like, what a scam. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, I got to use grandma's phone. So he calls his dad. And, of course, his dad is also telling him to call the police. Yep. Now... During his visit with his grandmother, Peggy, Dinsmore actually opened up to her a lot about his problems with Ashley, and he told her that they had an argument. However, he did not admit to doing anything wrong. He actually told his grandmother that he was worried about her being missing and was also trying to contact her. Now, I'm not sure how he was doing that if his phone was supposed to be dead, right? Uh I mean, to be fair, he did try to contact her, you know, for pretensies. Yep. But he at the same time, how is your phone? It's, yeah, it's, I it's, feel like his lies are running into each other. Yeah. This, like, boop, boop. It's not a very good lie. He's bad at this. Yep. So finally, the detective got a hold of Dinsmore about three days after the murder on February 15th. At that point, Adam told the detective that Winter was safe with him, but he had no idea where Ashley was. He claimed they'd gotten into an argument and he'd left with her still alive. In a police recording played at his trial, Densmore actually said, quote, We got into a massive fight, probably the worst fight we have ever been in. I left because it was going to escalate into physicality, unquote. Densmore claimed that he drove across like six states, basically, if you count all of them, like the whole route. Yeah. Because he was trying to de-escalate the fight. It's a long way to go to yeah. de-escalate a fight. That's crazy. Yep. That's freaking crazy for him to drive that. It might have been five states, but it was a lot of states. Yeah. I feel like it was six states altogether, but um, maybe... Yeah, because I think he drove from Colorado into New Mexico, into Texas, then to Louisiana, then he drove up into Oklahoma and then into Arkansas. Yeah. So it ends up, I think, being six, if I'm not mistaken. Makes sense. Yeah, that's a lot of freaking states. That's a long road trip. How did he sleep? He must not have slept at all. I know. That is crazy. However, in this description to his grandmother, he also admitted to saying to Ashley, quote, I hate you and I hope you die, unquote. Wow. Which, as we all know, is a great way to de-escalate a fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime I'm having a fight and I need to de-escalate it, I just declare that I hate the person I want them to die. <laughs> and that, that ends it. Yeah. That, every time they're like, oh, yeah. my God, I see your point. <laughs> every time. Every freaking time. Yeah, that de-escalates it. Ridiculous. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, to be clear, I do not say that to people. Indeed. Because I don't want anyone to die. That's right. And so, obviously, since he fled across six states, he did not know where Ashley went after the fight. So, it could be anywhere. Unbeknownst to Dinsmore, though, 
police actually put a trace out on his cell phone during that call and tracked him to Oklahoma by this time, because he had left his grandmother's house just outside of Tulsa. Officers immediately rushed to find him, and he was actually arrested in Pawnee County, Oklahoma, in a traffic stop. So that's nice. why he was, that was what was happening. Now, the reason for this traffic stop was allegedly that he was driving Ashley's car. But part of the reason is that he also had Winter Daisy with him. And at this point, police had discovered that he was not on the birth certificate and did not have any kind of custodial rights. And so the only way that he could have Winter Daisy with him is if Ashley had given him some sort of permission because they are out of state. So that's the, that's the reasoning. Like if he was in Denver, it might be okay. But since he's taken Winter Daisy outside the state without Ashley... All of a sudden, now we have a problem. Right, yeah. Yeah, so they were able to arrest him for basically custodial kidnapping, according to reports. Yeah. Now, at this point, Child Protective Services took custody of Winter at the time of his arrest, which I feel like makes him an ultra-bad father because now his baby is in social services in another state, in a random state where all of her family members are far away because his family is in Louisiana, her family is back in Pennsylvania. This poor baby is in social services... In Oklahoma. Yeah, in Oklahoma randomly when he freaking, this is ridiculous. Like, you're a bad dad. Like, obviously you did a lot of shit wrong as a dad. But what the fuck? Yeah. And how do you care so much about this baby? If you cared that much, why would you do this? You wouldn't. Because being serious, after he's realized the police were closing in, he could have at least left the baby with his grandmother or his parents. Like, that also, like, would be... Not, I'm not saying he would be a good dude in that scenario. It's just that if you really cared about the health and safety of your baby and the comfort of your baby, you would have left her with someone who knows the baby. Yep. I'm just saying. That's my opinion, but I stand by it. You're right. So our case continues to heat up on February 15th, though. This is, again, three days after the murder. Because that is also the same day as a gas station employee made a grisly discovery in a Walmart dumpster in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. Inside this suitcase, they found a woman's torso. That's a bad day at work. Yeah, and oh my god, just terrible. The police described it as a gas station employee seeing the luggage and quote-unquote curiosity getting the better of them. <laughs> and I'm just like, but at least it's good that you check. I feel like you really gotta check, though, because if they had not checked, then she might not have ever been discovered. Yeah. And someone has to look at them. That's true. Like, maybe that's a, a cue for all of us that think that trash bags on the side of the road are body parts. Maybe we should all stop and look. Just in case. I mean, you might help be helping somehow. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I'm not going to stop and check yeah. for your trash bags. Just being real. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But this person was a hero and did look. And after they found this body, well, not the whole body, just the torso, Police recovered surveillance footage from a nearby gas station because, again, it was a gas station. I think it was a gas station in a Walmart parking lot based on the description. And in that video, they see a car matching the description of Ashley's missing vehicle pull up to the dumpster. And a shadowy figure that looks kind of like Densmore pulls out the suitcase and puts it in the dumpster. Just ridiculous. Yep. Police used a tattoo on Ashley's body to make a preliminary ID. Apparently, she had a tattoo of the sun emblem used by the band Sublime, but her son had a gap tooth because her smile had a gap tooth in it. It was kind of her trademark smile. And so she wanted to make her tattoo look like her smile. And that made it a very unique tattoo. So they were able to conclusively say, this is Ashley. But of course, they, you know, did more testing. They didn't just call it a day. Yeah. They, they did verify with like DNA and stuff as well. Good. 
Sadly, they never recovered the rest of her body, though authorities tried really, really hard to find her. I mean, they actually sent teams of 10 to 12 investigators to search landfills in Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma for weeks in an effort to recover the rest of Ashley's body, but it just proved too difficult. They don't actually know where he put her. They thought he might have put her in, like, dumpsters or possibly just at the landfill, but they just... It's just too much stuff to search. Yeah, that's really sad. And to this day, police do not know where Ashley's head, arms, and legs are. That sucks. Which is just terrible. That's why they think that he might have used more than one suitcase because they don't know if he brought, you know, he might have dropped whole suitcases with other parts in it. Yeah. Which is just horrific. I mean, I don't even know. It just doesn't. It just really sucks. Just all of it is just incomprehensible. Like, how do you even, I just don't even know. I just, just thinking about it. Like, how people do these things. Yeah. It's just... I feel like these are especially gross when people will chop up bodies. After they found Ashley's torso, police began looking hard at Dinsmore. They immediately got an arrest warrant for murder, so he stayed in police custody. And although Dinsmore admitted to slapping Ashley to a child services representative, he said that was all that happened. Which is just whatever. Whatever, dude. Yeah. What the fuck? The FBI brought Dinsmore in for questioning about Ashley's disappearance and Special Agent Matthew Hewitt examined him and noticed some alarming injuries on his body. So at this point, they start looking at these injuries and they see that he has scratches and cuts on his hands, arms, neck, lower back, and feet. Additionally, he had bite wounds on his chest and right thigh, as well as bruises on his knuckles, right bicep, and left knee. That's a lot. That's a freaking lot. It's a lot, y'all. I mean, it's unclear how much of this might have happened from the murder, like from him having a physical fight, but some of it could also have happened from him dismembering the body, you know, because he's using a saw and all kinds of disgustingness. It's just, all of it is just, ugh. Yeah. So, based on these extensive injuries, though, police were sure that there had been a big physical fight between the couple. Meanwhile, Special Agent Shannon Clark searched Densmore's 2001 Volvo which was supposedly, which according to a lot of sources, was actually Ashley's car. They found Ashley's blood on the backseat floorboard and on a napkin and calendar that were left in the car. Also alarming, they found the glasses that they believed belonged to Ashley, along with the tablet and journals that appeared to be hers. Soon, they got a warrant to search the family home back in Houghton. During the search, police found a bevy of evidence in the shed in the backyard. They found that reciprocating saw with blood and flesh stuck on it, and the crime lab was able to match that blood and tissue to Ashley. Well, there you go. That's yeah, pretty damning evidence. to me, evidence. that was the most damning. I mean, obviously, you know, between that and the car and, like, the video, there's a lot of evidence that he did this. I mean, be serious. Additionally, police were also able to match Densmore's shoes to the shoe print on Ashley's phone. And at that point, authorities arrested Densmore on charges of first-degree murder, abuse of a corpse, tampering with a corpse, and tampering with physical evidence. Densmore pleaded not guilty to these charges, and he took his case to trial, which was slated to last for three weeks. I'm not 100% sure why they took this case to trial, because I guess he was trying to... I don't really know what he was trying to argue, being serious. I mean, I don't think you're going to beat the the whole dismembering the body charge. There's too much evidence. There's a lot of evidence. It's really, really... I mean... 
the saw and the video and the blood in the car and you drive it on a freaking road trip with it mm-hmm. and being in Oklahoma, I mean, that in itself is suspicious. Oh, yeah. I mean, ironically, if he had stayed in Boulder, he might have had a slight shot because he could have tried to deflect attention on somebody, not Harvey because he had a great alibi. But, I mean, I don't really know. I'm not, again, screw this guy. Yeah. But I don't know what he's doing here. It's ironic, too, because a lot of people take plea deals for stuff they didn't even do because they're, like, pressured or because they sit in jail waiting so long for a trial. It makes sense just to take a plea to go home. And then this turd has obviously done something, but he's going to just take it to trial. Like, he's going there. Prosecutors ended up deciding not to pursue the death penalty in this case. The defense actually tried to separate the charges so that Dinsmore would be tried separately for the murder and the tampering with the body. Now, at first I was wondering, what the fuck, why would you try to get them separated? But I think that the idea here was to save him from the murder conviction by hiding all the stuff of the body at the murder trial. Yeah. Because if you did the murder trial and the tampering separately, I guess in theory you might have to do the murder trial first. I'm not sure how that works. And then they wouldn't have any of the evidence of like the, like the, I guess they would have the blood in the car, but they wouldn't have any of the evidence of him doing the saw and like distributing the body and all that stuff. So maybe the lawyer was thinking he could get him off for the murder, but just get him for the tampering. Yeah. But regardless, Boulder District Judge Judith Labuda was like, no. Good for And her. denied that motion. Yes. Good. At trial, the prosecution presented all of the evidence that they found, and several members of Densmore's family testified to his movements and the bits of information they learned about Ashley's dis- disappearance. Sadly, the prosecutor actually said at trial that Ashley's mother had hoped that the torso did not belong to her daughter up until that second week of Dinsmore's trial. Because she actually had hoped that Ashley might still be alive. And that was all just an oopsie. Which is just depressing. Yeah, it is. After listening to weeks of testimony, the jury deliberated for over a day. And then they found him guilty of first-degree murder, abuse of a corpse, tampering with a corpse, and tampering with evidence. The judge sentenced Dinsmore to life in prison without the possibility of parole... Plus an extra 12 years. After the verdict, Ashley's family asked Dinsmore to tell them where they could find the rest of Ashley's body, but he refused. After the trial, Ashley's family finally got the torso back, though, and they were able to have a funeral for her. And they actually waited the one and a half years to have the funeral, which is just depressing. Yeah, it is. I think it's possible that maybe it's because the mother was hoping that she was still alive. Which totally makes sense. I would also want my kid to still be alive. I was wondering for a minute it, why they went with first degree murder. Just because it kind of sounds like they had a fight that escalated and then he killed her. Which would be second degree murder. So I really thought about this for a while because I was worried that like, you know, appeals and whatnot. I think it counts as first degree murder because he wrote all those alarming messages in his journal. Like he wrote a lot of direct passages that you can find in places about wanting to kill Ashley specifically. And I think that's what makes it premeditated. Because, I mean, if you're writing over and over and over again that you want to kill her and you want to beat someone to death and all that stuff, and then you do it, it seems very premeditated. Yes, it does. So I'm assuming that's why he got convicted of first-degree murder. Because, I mean, he basically wrote his dreams of murdering her. Since Ashley has been gone, everyone in her life misses her greatly and mourns the loss of such a short life. It was definitely a tragedy. I could not find out where Winter Daisy is now. I'm assuming there's a family member that is raising her. But I'm not sure who that family member is because that was not made public that I could find. 
that is the end of Ashley's story, though. And if you enjoy bad acts and these terrible stories that we tell you, uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We never ask you to do that because I forget. But please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you could tell a friend about us, especially a friend who likes true crime, maybe several friends, that would be super cool. We would really appreciate that. Also, don't forget that if you want to support Bad Axe Podcast and be part of our fan club base, which is growing slowly, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash badaxpod. Our memberships start at just a dollar. We have some exclusive bonus episodes, including full episodes. And you can actually listen to all those old ones. There's several on there. They're super fun. So a lot of content over there. Also, you can connect with us on social media at BadXPod. We are most active on Instagram, and I post there fairly regularly. And I also try to post on Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to send us feedback, suggestions, or general comments, you can email us at BadXPod at gmail.com. No one has done it yet. (laughs) We get a lot of emails from the Denver Post, which I had to sign up for to get some Colorado stories some of which came from this case. And I've gotten like 30 emails from the Denver Post. They are apparently very interested in my life and me reading their news. But I have not gotten any emails from listeners. So if that is you and you're thinking, I have something to say that is hopefully nice, uh, you can email us there at badaxpod at gmail.com. Aaron, would you like to tell them about our website? It's a very cool website. You should go look at it. It is badaxpod.com. It has a haunted tree. It has a haunted tree. That we took a picture of. So you should totally look at that tree. It'd be great. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You are amazing. We will see you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Bye.